it's not overwhelming yet it's um it's comfortable and it's a great place for people to come in and network welcome to another episode of the community broadband bits podcast i'm christopher mitchell at the institute for local self-reliance in saint paul minnesota and I'm getting ready to put on my traveling shoes because there's a there's some fun stuff coming up. But possibly the most fun event is at the end of the month where I'm going to go to Keystone, Colorado for Mountain Connect, an event that uh, we've talked about before on the show. And today I brought Jeff Gavlinski back, who is the CEO of Mountain Connect, uh, to preview it a little bit, talk about uh, um, past fun events. Um, Jeff, welcome back. Thank you, Chris. I'm really great that uh, you have me back on the show. Really appreciate it. Yes, I've, you know, I've long said, I feel like this is a special show. Um, you know, it's one that is not afraid to ask people to go far from an airport and, um, and gather and focus on, uh, you know, a really interestingly curated, um, uh, program. Um, and so, um, let me just, let me just start off by asking you, you know, um, it takes a lot of work to put these things together. Why, why is it worth doing mountain connect? What, what is different about it than other places? The first way I'll answer the question is um, I've always wanted to sort of give back to the industry that's given me quite a bit. And in terms of giving back, I'm really passionate about trying to help the tier three and below communities, counties, telcos, WISPs, utilities, schools, uh, as well as telehealth. We've, we've had a broad um, content focus, but we really should be trying to help the people who need the help. Um, which is why I don't focus on on large uh, metropolitan areas or large cities. Um, they're always going to get what they need because of what they represent economically. And, and of course, our event's a bit timely this year, given that the uh, NTIA's NOFO is coming out. Our notice of funding opportunity mm-hmm. is coming out uh, the week prior. Um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done over the next three to 10 years or so. So you're expecting that they'll hit that deadline. I hope you, you don't have like three sessions that are going to fall apart when they delay it. No, I don't. I don't. But I, I, I have yeah, no sense I, that they're going to delay it. I suspect they'll, they'll hit their timeline, but I'm just goofing with you. I don't think we're going to see much out of this until next year, quite frankly. Not not the nofo, but I just mm-hmm. mean in terms of it getting started. So right, but there's a lot of planning to do. Now let me let me just poke you on something there because I feel like you also um, this there is a place for people to come from the larger cities to talk about challenges they face. I think you're just saying that like they get a lot of attention. Um, uh, you know they don't always get what they want. Obviously, there's a lot of folks in Denver that aren't well connected. People are you know working on stuff like that. Um, but I think um, you're you're building a conference for everyone. But we're going into the 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 mountains in order to talk about these issues. Thanks for uh, bringing that up because I, I, I suppose I didn't mean to imply that that I don't uh, focus on big cities because quite frankly, um, one of our sessions is actually going to be focused on the city of Detroit and how they're going to tackle their digital inequity issues by targeting the economically disadvantaged folks first when they build out their network. So there are some really good lessons learned there. There's also some good stories that come out of larger cities, but primarily, I should have said primarily, my biggest focus is going to be on those tier three and below um, folks. Yeah, when I think of Mountain Connect, I think of Doug Seacat. You know, like I just think of someone who you introduced me to there, someone yeah. who um, building really interesting stuff has, I think, really interesting stories about what it's like to be a small business, a private business trying to build in this area, you know, making interesting partnerships, um, uh, just trying to make it work. And, uh, and I think of folks like that. And I feel like that's sort of the soul of Mountain Connect, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I had 
last year uh, on the opening day, I was, was sitting um, off to the side on the stage waiting to go up to welcome everybody to the conference. And I had someone come up to me and they, they said, uh, sorry to bother you, but I just wanted to tell you in case I don't, I don't see you that I really like the fact that you've created an intimate environment here. Um, it, you know, it's not, it's not overwhelming yet. It's, um, it's comfortable and it's a great place for people to come in and network. I can imagine that right now, um, Doug would be pulling out his hair if he had any to listen while he's listening. Um, whoa, I just got to take a shot at Doug. Um, Doug, who's doing really wonderful work to help you with this. Um, but I, uh, I should note, uh, specifically, um, it is May 23rd, 24th and 25th. Um, right. and it is, uh, something you can learn more about mountainconnect.org. And, um, uh, it is a, uh, a just a great blend to be more specific about. I'm assuming, like you mentioned, I mean, there's there's stuff there for people who are interested in wireless, for people who are interested in fiber, people interested in co-ops, munis, private companies, uh, people interested in long haul, people who are interested in last mile, people interested in partnerships, like. <laughs> Right. It's just, uh, um, you know, there's, I feel like you spend the entire year, um, thinking about, you know, who to get together and try to, to do. And then, um, I come along and beg to be on every panel and you tell me no. Um, (laughs) and so, (laughs) but always, (laughs) right. Well, I'll be on at least one, maybe two this time. I think I might've stuck on a second one. Um, yeah, I think it's important to, you know, to challenge the audience, there are obviously a lot of relevant topics that we could talk about that are that are impacting the industry today. But I also think that we need to look forward. So I always try to have as much forward-looking content as I can possibly squeeze in without confusing people. Even if even if I'm going to be a little bit annoying and, and critique your futurist because I don't like his vision of drones, I don't think it's realistic. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a good example, right? 2018, I think I was the first broadband conference to have a discussion around blockchain. So, and I had another one, I think the year after, um, about, uh, telehealth innovation technology, um, trying to, trying to really bridge a gap between, uh, the telecom industry and the, the healthcare industry. Cause I don't, I, I think there's a gap there. Mm-hmm. And, um, I do realize that there are networks being built to serve, uh, healthcare facilities, but I, I also think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on on the technology innovation side. And they don't really realize that they need our industry just as much as we need to know what they're doing, right? Because without a wire to wireless connection, the great technology they're developing just doesn't work. As we've worked in telehealth, one of the things that I've said is I feel like a lot of the people that know a lot about healthcare don't know much about broadband economics. And the people that know about broadband don't really have a good sense of frankly, how screwed up the healthcare system is. Right. <laughs> and right. who's dealt with it has a sense, but it's really, it's, it's really even more so. Last year, I outlined a number of, number of things that I would continue to weave into our agenda for the foreseeable future. And you'll notice like on uh, Tuesday, the 24th, our, our, our lunch keynote is an example of that where last year I had uh, a discussion on network disaster recovery and why it's so important to consider that you need to have a redundant network in place. And of course, as you know, this past December, we had a really bad fire in Boulder County, which impacted not only the folks there who lost their homes and, and, and had to leave their homes, but certainly um, the first responder networks as well. So we're gonna have a, dis, uh, a, a discussion on that, which I think is really important. And hopefully it encourages other municipalities to consider building a redundant network in case of a natural disaster or a fire 
or you know whatever whatever natural disaster we we have out here. Okay, so you've got that. That's an interesting thing coming up. Aside from my panel, which is your favorite, um, I'm curious. Um, you know, so you can't use that one as an example, but right. What's what's something that you know, I'm not going to call it your favorite, but was there something that you're just sort of like really excited about that you've been trying to get together and and uh, you're going to have an interesting discussion about? I mean, it can't be like Phil Weiser. He's becoming a regular now, um, you know, a fixture of of telecom and, and, and now the AG of Colorado. He's still coming back to your show. So that's cool. But like what's something you're looking forward to that might be surprising to folks? I'm really interested in, in hearing what Joshua is going to do in city of Detroit. Yeah. I think. Yeah. That strategy there is is not a strategy I've heard from any other municipality. And I think when people hear it, I don't want to give anything away, but I think when when they hear what they're going to do, I think they're going to be pleasant, hopefully pleasantly surprised and admire what what they're doing there because they're they're tackling a big issue there. But I think they're doing it in the right manner. Yeah, and that's Joshua Edmonds, who's really, yeah. I think, um, an impressive uh, person. Who's uh, who? Um, you know, he'd been at Cleveland before and uh, came to Detroit to tackle that real hard problem, and is really coming up with some interesting approaches for it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to um, to hearing that as well. We have another session. Uh, so I mentioned I mentioned the um, the Boulder County story. That one too, I think uh, I'm really excited about. And then we have a surprise coming for the first on uh, the opening keynote that hasn't been announced yet, but if we have, if it falls uh, through, know, I'll come up with something brilliant. Don't worry. Okay. Excellent. I, I know I can count on you. Well, um, this is a surprise. We could, you could do anything now. <laughs> well, it'll, it'll get announced next week. So oh, okay. uh, the other thing I think we, we're going to have for the first time is we have both senators will be talking to us virtually from Washington, DC. They're in session, so they can't make it. But I do appreciate the fact that they're taking 30 minutes out of their day to address the audience and uh, setting aside time for, for questions from the audience. So really excited about having both Senator Bennett and Hickenlooper there. And then of course, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but we have a new executive director of our broadband office. I'm not aware, that's exciting. Yeah, so she is, uh, when the senators are done, she is going to talk about the state of Colorado. And I'm sure she'll try to, she'll, she'll try to um, say as much as she can say and get away with, right? But she's going to give everyone an idea, like, what, what, is, what is Colorado thinking about in terms of how they're going to spend this money? So I'm really, really, oh, we have some really amazing speakers. So I'm really excited for this year. I know that, that you went through uh, some things we're not going to talk about. Uh, there's no reason to, to jump into that, but then like the pandemic hits, um, and everyone goes through a bunch of stuff and people who are planning events, just like, just so hard. Right. Yep. And I'm, I'm curious, like, there's gotta be things. I mean, you said you want to give back to this industry. I mean, I feel similarly, I've learned so much and just loved, um, being a part of it. Um, but I, I think there's also some things that have happened at mountain connect that you look back on where you're just like, yeah, like the, we, this is worth continuing despite the fact that it's, you're, you're heading upstream. Um, what are some of those like key moments? moments um and again i've been to the past six ones i think past seven ones so you know don't don't focus on the things that that i was there doing with you but just uh um <laughs> you know, i don't know why I keep laughing when i keep prompting you like this but um you know what are the what are the highlights from past years if you go back five or six years i i think you've seen uh, the dialogue change quite a bit i know for those folks who don't know colorado does have legislation in place that prevents municipalities from building uh, broadband networks. Um, however, there's an opt-out clause 
and that opt-out clause allows you to conduct a vote. And if you get obviously the majority, then you can opt out. It's our, it's our Senate Bill 152. So I think we've had close to 200. Yeah, it's in that 150 to 200 range, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So communities, counties, and school districts that have opted out. You know, but if you go back six years, there was a real uh, tension between uh, the municipalities and the incumbents. And one of the things that that I'm I'm really excited about is that's kind of been pushed to the side. Even though we're not going to have a discussion with any of the incumbents at Mount Connect this year, I'm hoping that uh, next year that I'm going to be able to get some of them to come back and talk about some of the good things that they're trying to do. Because I think I feel like it's my job to to bring people together. Now, what happens when they get there is a, is a totally different discussion and something I can't control. But I, I do think when there are challenges, I, I'm starting to hear less about these things over the years. It's kind of lessened. Um, so I'm really encouraged by that. Um, so that, I, I would say that that's one of the bigger ones. And then and then, of course, I, I was a little skeptical about bringing in topics that would challenge people. So I think that's part of our job as well. And, and that's been embraced as well. So Elon they, Musk, greatest man ever or just greatest man of our time? <laughs> you want to challenge uh, people. How about neither? Um, <laughs> well, yeah, that's my point kind of. But <laughs> yeah, you forgot that. Option. Boy, I um, just I might get killed in, uh, in, the, in the social medias on this one. <laughs> yeah, you might. And I might as well. Um, and, and, and the other thing I think uh, is interesting is the open access discussion. Right. So that that, as you know, four, three, four years ago was front and center. It kind of went away and now it's back up again. And yeah. I think what a lot of that with has knives to do with, out. That? <laughs> with knives out. Well, for some, yes, that's true. <laughs> um, if, if we could just stop, stop beating each other up over which, which, um, which open access construct is better. I think we'd be better off for, for the folks who don't really understand that there are different flavors of open access, but nonetheless, we've we've had some success stories, and I'm encouraged that perhaps we'll see more open access networks being built. Um, so, so that that's another thing that I'm encouraged about, and I tried to embrace that over over the last three to five years. I mean, for people who aren't familiar, um, you know, there was um, uh, Glenwood Springs was the first kind of community broadband network and used a variety of technologies and was aiming to be open access. And I think had difficulties uh, in that uh, Rio Blanco um, as a county, uh, the two uh, the two towns that are part of that are the population centers there uh, is very, very successful open access fiber network, it seems. And then what I was talking about was the uh, the fight in um, Colorado Springs right now where you have two different uh, models that both um, use the term open access in different ways and uh, and kind of some conflict in the press between those two. Uh, you certainly have open access middle mile and a real strong history of that in several areas like with Project Thor. Um, you have a very interesting public-private partnerships with municipal fiber and private companies in uh, Fort Morgan and Breckenridge, um, you know, with that, with the company Allo out of Nebraska. Uh, so yeah, there's a, and then, and then obviously, I mean, Colorado has so many municipal networks. You have Longmont, which is arguably one of the most successful municipal networks. Uh, I mean, we talk about Chattanooga often as being so good, it's hard to aspire to, but Longmont is right there as well. And several other front range cities now building their own, um, in fact, finishing their own in, in some cases this year, I believe. Yeah. I live in one of those cities. I live in Fort Collins. So 
um, I have gigabit fiber coming to my house as well. And there's one more thing I wanted to add to your question. I think it's been really interesting over the last seven or eight years to see the conversation around fixed wireless too. Because if you go back in time, I think fixed wireless, it kind of went away for a little bit just in terms of being a priority on the agenda or on, on agendas. Um, and then it's come back again. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's not as controversial. And I was going to be, have you been in my LinkedIn page lately? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I would, I would never say that. There's always going to be controversy around it, unfortunately. But listen, at the end of the day, if we get the opportunity to use this funding to build fiber everywhere, then okay. But if we don't, which I fear will happen, to suggest that um, fixed wireless is not a viable solution, even if it's in the short term, whatever whatever the short-term definition is for you um, until such a time that you can build fiber, I, I think we're doing a disservice to people by not actually suggesting that as a viable solution in place of fiber. I think that that's a good discussion to have. And I feel like you're totally making a valid point. Let me, let me frame it like this. Cause I think a different way to think of it is this, we have a certain amount of money and we could, um, uh, build out, use that money to build out fiber to like, 40% or 60% or some some significant but not you know um not like 80% of the of a number of people with that a solution that's going to solve the problem for decades possibly you know forever depending um on how you want to define forever um or we can spend that money on getting a higher number of people a solution that's going to work for 3 to 5 years um, and, and that's, for me, it comes out of that time element of, of, I, it just worries me. Um, and, and candidly, as you know, for me, like, you know, if we're talking about wireless from a, uh, cooperative that is going to use all of the revenues to plow them back in and to serve their customers and, and reinvest, that's great. But if we're talking about wireless to a private company that has really good intentions, but in two years is going to be purchased by a company that's going to be purchased by another company, another two years, and then it's going to be owned by like some hedge fund or something like that. I'm deeply skeptical of that. And so like, I just feel like it's much more complicated in this question of wireless versus fiber. And that's, that's why I sort of err on the edge of fiber. I didn't expect you to get that dark here, but <laughs> that was pretty dark. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, listen, I couldn't agree with you. Listen, if we could build fiber, it would be the best solution. Well, we but, will. I mean, we'll, we'll uh, have fiber what, everywhere. And in your well, lifetime too, I believe it. Uh, well, I hope you're right, because I, what, what I'm concerned about is uh, if history serves as any barometer, perhaps speed's not going to go the way people think it's going to go. Oh, no, you're, you're calling me dark. <laughs> <laughs> you're, and for people who can't tell, Jeff is literally wearing black, and then he just said that. I did. I did. Well, listen, I, 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 I live down in southwest Colorado, and we were severely impacted by the by our BTOP grant and its inability to build what was promised, which is fiber to connect all our school districts. And, you know, you can imagine that was that Eagle net. It was one of the worst correct. projects yeah. of the BTOP yeah. program. You can imagine how many communities were let down because this was an opportunity to take the fiber that was being funded through this BTOP grant and perhaps extend off of it. Would have reduced significantly reduced the cost. Of, of extending fiber off that network once it was built. And the one of the reasons why that never happened is because we built in areas that did not need to be built and they underestimated the cost of, of building fiber. And of course, as you might guess, the underestimated cost comes from 
um, the fact that they had to bury some of it, right? And in the mountains, it's very costly. And I had, we had a chance to, to meet with the NTIA during this process. And I, I had asked them, you know, what lessons will you take away from this experience? And they basically told me, and I know it was a different crop of people back, back then. I hope that they take lessons away from this um, and don't repeat them. And that is that you, they just don't have enough people to provide the kind of oversight that's necessary. So now I worry about that because now you have an understaffed federal government who's now given it to arguably understaffed state governments. I think you're right. Um, and this is where I think we need you know people um, to be stepping up from communities. Um, communities need to take a stronger role in this and, and being watchdogs. But uh, you're right. And frankly, that money wasn't going to go... If the money was spent perfectly in the way that I would like it to, I think it could have solved most of the problem. Um, that's not the way the world works. Uh, right. And maybe I'm wrong anyway. Some people listening to this, I'm sure, are convinced I'm wrong about a lot of what I say. Um, but like on top of that, with inflation and supply chain, um, it's going to go even less far. So, right. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, it's my hope that communities as well as state governments – well, state governments, A, take, take advantage of the planning funding – and that they they seek out and find really strong partnerships from the private sector and their constituent communities. Right. I feel like we've had a really good mix of talking about the conference, of talking about some some good issues. We've both gone dark. Um, I want to end. I want to keep this shorter, um, not just because I'm running off to dinner with my family, but also because um, uh, the last thing I wanted to talk with you was um, just – Keystone, man. Like you want to talk about like having an event in a picturesque place. Like this is a great place where people can come. Like you know, like you know, come for the weekend beforehand. Bring your family. Like you know, just quick. If you're close by, um, if you're further away, it's really worth making the trek. Uh, it's just tell us why. You know, we're here in we're there in May. Uh, we might get a little bit of snow if uh, memory serves, depending. Um, yeah, it's maybe be beautiful uh, days. You know, Keystone's at ninety two hundred feet above sea level, so. These surrounding views are not tough on the eyes. It should be beautiful weather. I mean, we'll, we'll have chilly evenings, obviously. But I, I've always had Mountain Connect in a, in a resort location. You know, prior to Keystone, it was in Vail. But now I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of stuck there in, in a way because now Denver's gotten so darn expensive. And I really do need to think about folks who are attending. And I, because if I go to Denver, I could price them out effectively. Right. And so I don't want to do that. And, and right now, because I'm because I have such a long term partnership with Keystone, I do have a lot of flexibility in terms of growing the event. Um, but as you say, it's a great place to go. It really is pretty there. And people do come and either spend time prior to the conference or they spend time after the conference um, with family, families and loved ones. Yeah, my wife and I had some fun times hiking and I've um, I, I want to do it every year, but I just um there's always something going on, but I highly recommend for people that lead less hectic lives to um, to come to the event, enjoy the event, enjoy the areas around it. It's super fun. Yeah, um, and I, I would encourage. I know we didn't have a lot of time, but the, we have such an amazing agenda this year. Please go to mountainconnect.org/agenda and, and check out the agenda. There's some really great sessions in there. Definitely circle the ones that have Chris Mitchell um, involved in them. <laughs> 
I, I, I even got roped into two and I, I, I try to not do any sessions at Mountain Connect, but. Well, I'm excited. In fact, um, for people who are coming, I should say, um, the bonus is my senior team is coming. So we're using it as a little bit of a, um, of a retreat to talk strategy and uh, for them to get more experience uh, at events, meet more people. Uh, so um, uh, Ryan Marcatilio McCracken, uh, Deanne Cuellar, and Sean Gonsalves and myself will all be there. So keep an eye out for us. Say hi and uh, and uh, let us know what you're up to. Uh, for the first time this year, we will actually have an official media center on site. So that media center will allow um, us to do things like host, if you have a, if, if our participants mainly our sponsors and exhibitors, um, if they have some really cool and interesting news, we have the ability to, to run uh, press conferences for press releases. Um, we'll also have an area set up for podcasters like yourself, sir. Wonderful. Yeah. So um, I think we'll have uh, maybe four or five at the conference. So I think it's going to be really, really fun to, really fun to do that. Um, and that's in partnership with Harrison Edwards. Yeah, and they, they do a really good job with this. Um, I'll let people know. Um, I have to run Tuesday night to catch a red eye to go to a board meeting in D.C. So uh, if you want to pitch me, uh, do it early <laughs> for podcasts and things like that. I'm going to have my mic. I'm going to have some uh, stuff there. Um, but I will not be there on Wednesday, unfortunately, which sucks because Wednesdays always got really great events. In fact, you've often had me on Wednesdays to try to get people to stick around. And, uh, you know, I guess it wasn't as successful as I would hope sometimes. Yeah. Well, well, I don't know what it is about conferences in the last day um, when people just pack up and go. But this year we're ending at lunchtime and they're after the lunch keynote. And that last lunch keynote's a really good one. That's the one that contains Joshua. <sighs> okay. You're going to miss it. I'll get notes from my colleagues. Yes. <laughs> well, it, it'll be online. You can watch it anyways. Excellent. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you, Chris. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this and other podcasts from ILSR, including Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ilsr.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount keeps us going. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. This was the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.